Well, happy Mother's Day next week. And I think it's about time we talk kids on the podcast. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey there, romance nerds. I'm Jen. And I'm Jackie. We're two librarians from Nopal in upstate New York, and you're listening to Raging Romantics. In this podcast, we like to think a little too deeply about romance books. If you're into theory, history, and raging about Romance Landia, then you should stick around. Please be advised that some of the things we talk about may not be suitable for younger listeners. Content warnings for episodes are available in the show notes. Jen, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Let's, Let's rage! rage! Hey, Jen. Hey, Jackie. What did the tree tell her son before a big game? Shake a leaf. I'm rooting for oh! you! <laughs> Oh, that's actually really good. That's fine. Uh, okay, good, good. I like that one. I was very scared <laughs> looking through all of these. I was like, this could be very misogynistic <laughs> jokes going on. I like the rooting, though. That's cute. I'm rooting for it's you. It's like very wholesome. Yeah, because also that's how sometimes yeah. how trees have babies. They put out little suckers yeah. to their roots. So it's like multiple levels of a yes. joke. Look at that. That's hey. beautiful. Good job, Jackie, Thank for that you. one. Dendrochronology. And hey there to all of our romance nerds Woo. who are still here. Thank you so much. Welcome to yet another episode of Raging Romantics. You guys are the OGs. Yes, we are still very excited to be here. <laughs> and hey, if you're excited too, you should definitely thank the Northern Onondaga Public Library for letting us sit at a microphone twice a month and talk about all things romance with Yay. you. Maybe by checking out a book or a program. <gasps> As our recent calendar said, it is book club season. Heck yeah, it is. We got real cool book clubs. And yeah, if we do. you're not around us, I'm sure your library has some cool ones too. This is very true. So Mother's Day is coming up on the 14th of May. So I thought it was time to talk about babies and kids and romance novels. I don't think this is going to be a totally comprehensive talk because there's a lot of different angles you can look at this. And I'm determined not to talk forever. <laughs> We're not doing our episodes anymore. So as yourself. always, if you want to chime in with your own thoughts, feel free to email us at ragingromantics at nopal.org. I'm especially interested to hear what actual parents think because I can only consider this from my perspective of a childless adult who is a little terrified of babies. <laughs> Honestly, like I like children. I'm not one of those child free people that hate children. I was going to say you're around kids like, a I lot. Like I can't be. Yeah, I just went to four daycare today like i do like kids and jen does also eat like a child i do though i've gotten better do you guys want to hear something terrible sure please jen has never eaten a pickle why is that terrible that makes sense pickles look gross and they have the gross texture only when you eat bad pickles i don't know if what's a bad pickle versus a good pickle I'm it's all bad i'm going to make you pickles it is disgusting because it's got that wet crunch and it just like slides against your teeth and it's like nails on a chalkboard but in your mouth no you, you don't get the squishy ones you can't have the squishy it's ones it's not Those squishy it's just like it's just in your mouth and you're just like it's just crunching and gross what if it was ranch flavored i why would that help it's a texture thing i don't okay, mind okay. pickle i have had brined pickle like chicken you know, like you use the pickle juice to brine oh, the chicken. Yes, yes. It's really delicious. Like I get the tang. Oh, okay. But I do not need to texture. eat the actual pickle. Do you like cucumbers? No, it's oh, a texture okay. thing. Okay. Again, it's that say, gross, like, like wet okay. crunch thing. Okay. It's just like a Well, case in point, Jen eats like a child. She likes children. But I can describe my problems with food better than children, so I think I get a point there. Just saying. Okay. It's gross and it feels weird on my teeth. Yes. That's what my niece says too. Mm -hmm. This is kind of what I'm hoping for the episode. <laughs> this episode in general was very difficult for me to write about. I've been thinking about it for like two months, but there's just so much sensitivity, I think, involved when you talk about kids and families. So what I'm hoping for this episode is more of like a conversation with Jackie. Like I said, I would love to open up this conversation with you too at ragingromantics at noble.org. It's a conversation I think romance has only started having and like the last five to yeah. ten years 
Yes. I mean, it's interesting to me because so much of romance is very progressive and transformative. You know, like you can argue it's not always depending on the genre, but for the most part, it is full of like very thoughtful people who kind of want to like push back at social norms. But it feels like the question of does this couple have children? It feels like one of those uncharted territories that we only recently started to explore. Like yeah. growing up, I very much always read couples that absolutely wanted kids and ended up with kids. Yeah, it always ended in a marriage mm-hmm. and it always ended like epilogue was like, I'm pregnant. And even if it was something where, okay, one person does not want children, something happens in the middle of the book where, oh my God, I want to have children with this yeah. person. Like nobody is ever childless at the end unless it's something dealing with like a terrible infertility problem. And then even then, like, the epilogue happens and hey they've somehow adopted five kids yeah or like i think a lot of nora roberts books like especially her earlier books i don't i don't know about her recent ones i have mm-hmm. to think of that it, like where there were a trilogy or a series you would always see the couple like from the first book later on yeah. would have a kid like later on mm-hmm. in the series or like what she was really known for doing and a lot of books actually did was like five years in the future 10 years yeah. in the future and it described the family exactly that they had. like it just feels like that is ingrained in romance as a happy ending or even part of a major plot so i want to handle this very sensitively i want to approach this in like the best good nature approach i can that's why I kind of want to have more of a conversation with Jackie today as opposed to kind of like rattling off a bunch of facts and figures because this is something that is so personal to people Mm -hmm. and you know once you have a kid you can't undo that it's like the one thing in life besides murder you can't take back yeah you know not that I'm comparing children with murder (laughs) but it's just like look if you get a job you hate you quit if you buy a house you don't like you sell it tattoo you can remove it like there's very little you can't truly undo yeah but like even if your kid dies you're still a mother yeah it's one of those things like you can't take back I should I should say right now the concept and discussion around motherhood is very fraught right. in our current like sphere that we live mm-hmm. in especially in America. And for this episode just be aware that Jen and I we empathize with you no matter what your situation yeah. is and we understand that everybody's def- definition is going to be different whether you use the term mother, mom, lactation person, birth giver, anything like mm-hmm. that. Know also that we are including you in our conversation. Yeah. We want to know your opinion. But like mom is just like mom is shorthand and easy. <laughs> and like that is kind of the been in romance for ex- yes like, like if we go back to that ridiculous definition that rwa wanted to do when they went to war with Nora roberts one man one woman Ugh. ends with babies happy end like that's part of the happy ending sort of a thing to people so i mostly want to talk about two things today on the podcast the huge subplots and tropes that pregnancy and kids contribute to in storylines so we can talk a little bit about like the popularity and why this has been you know such a a, a big thing in romance and why people hate it so much now yeah exactly and then i want to end this with the actual discussion with jackie about why we think happy endings in romance so often end with the main characters having children in some capacity okay child-free couples are becoming more popular mm-hmm. but i don't think anyone will argue with me when i say they are the exception not the rule So often in romance, the story doesn't really end with them getting together, but it also ends with them getting pregnant or, you know, some kind of discussion of kids or there's an epilogue of like, hey, here's our three children and we're happy and good. Mm -hmm. Right. And that has been a fact since basically romance was invented. So, you know, let's talk about it a bit. Okay. But here, uh, a little bit of honesty for our romance nerds. I've said this before and I will reiterate. I'm really not interested in having children myself, but uh, (coughs) I 
really love pregnancy plots and single mom <laughs> stories. <laughs> it's like, again, the thing with sports romance, it's like so far out of my sphere of, of knowledge and expertise that I'm really, like, really fascinated by it. And I really love it in literature and, and romance. Yeah. But um, just the mom stuff, if I'm being honest, like I feel like the single dad's plots are a bit much. Yeah. To put like to put a pin in it, we yeah. can talk about this later. It's something I feel that we can relate to without like we like if we okay as people with uteruses yeah. uteri okay <laughs> we can think about the what would happen if mm. like and i think that might be some of like the intrigue behind it and like seeing how these characters grow through that plot line that's interesting okay so there's a, there's our well, little pin well because you saying that i feel like i've been pushed further and further towards a spectrum of being like 100 percent really militant like i do not want children i don't want children we're probably naturally i would have fallen more in like I don't care as much. I don't feel like a longing, but I could change my mind. But there's so many people in my life that have been like, no, you're going to change your mind. You need children. You're selfish. Like I do, I do feel that pressure where like I have to be louder and that kind of makes me. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. You get that right. My, like from our cohort who's who's like, no, I, I know I don't want kids and they have to be so vocal about it because people are like, oh, you'll change your mind. Oh, the clock is going to start ticking. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, I no I don't want children yeah. so like me I'm on the fence like whatever happens happens yeah. that's my life motto right I like kids um I really like being able to hand dirty diaper right, children to off else. to their parents <laughs> that is a golden point mm-hmm. right there but I love kids so I don't think it'd be a good idea for me to have children but it's like the more you take I care of lucky very well I just don't take care of myself that well I just oh. don't want to like stress out I don't make that much money I know people librarians don't make money. Well, like I have had that conversation before with people and they think it's a bad excuse. But honestly, if you look at the statistics, it takes like 300,000 to raise a child from zero to 18 after COVID childcare now is like on average 14,000 a year. Do you know how much college costs? Yeah, I make like 45,000 a year. I don't have like more than that. The kind of social support to raise a child. Yeah. You know, I don't like it'd be one thing if I had money. Honestly, yeah. like I, th- I think if I had money, I'd think about it harder. So I think when I read about it in fiction, it's like the perfect circumstances. There's either a partner, there's money, there's like, there's a happy ending coming. So I yeah. know, okay, it's safe. Like this is good. Like this is a good thing it's to dream romance. about. Like you said, this is like a what if in case this ever does happen to me. If you know, God, like maybe I do change my mind. And my my mom had me at 38. So like I could change my mind suddenly yeah. in my 30s. I don't know. Yeah. You know, anything's possible, you but then adopt I, yeah, I look at the world it. and I'm like, <sighs> I know it's another, yeah, maybe we'll have this yeah. conversation now, but like looking at the world and the situation that it is right now, it's mm-hmm. like, I do not want to have a child who might have to deal with an impending apocalypse right. in the next 30 years. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Right. I think for me, there's so much good natured faith that goes into having a child and like, yeah. I don't want to think about my kid growing up to like die in a school shooting or becoming the school shooter. You know, I just have so much cynicism in me yeah. that I'm like, worst case scenario. Paranoid. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what would I do if that happened? Oh. So, like, for me, on, I can't just, like, let go of that fear. On a lighter note, there is a second half of the equation that you have to deal with. Mm. And that is the the sperm giver that you have to deal yeah, with. Yeah, forever. I mean, Well, for yeah. at least for 18 years. But yeah. I think it's really forever. Because, honestly, I know adulthood is 18, but I really think it's closer to like 25, 26. And dating and choosing a partner sucks. It's hard, So, yeah. no. And again, if you don't have money for a sperm bank. I will say, yes. And I was about to say sperm bank because mm-hmm. one of my favorite, it's actually a movie. It's a rom-com. It's a J-Lo rom-com. If they ever- Oh, a backup if, plan? Yes. Yeah. I love that movie with my entire being. She just wants to have a baby, so she mm-hmm. decides to, have to be 
to be artificially inseminated AI. Yeah. And she ends up, as she's walking out after being artificially inseminated, how many times can I say that on this podcast? Um, she meets, the, like, the perfect dream guy. Mm-hmm. And then she finds out that she's pregnant on their first date. Mm. It is I, and there's cheese yeah. and goats, and it is Milo, what's his name, is the hero. I love that movie with all of my whole heart. Mm-hmm. But you don't want that to happen to you in real life. I don't know. <laughs> Just a I'm open. <laughs> I will get to the world circumstances. (laughs) Well, there is probably too much background you need about us and where we're approaching this. How are you guys today? (laughs) We're trying to be really sensitive. And, like, it's a difficult topic to talk about. Like, it is hard. It's a very personal choice. And it's something that I I guess I just don't feel is reflected enough in romance when it comes to the – just like all the options and all the problems, all the variability. And to an extent, I like that because that is why I like the pregnancy books because it's, like – like in real life pregnancy horrifies me but then like it's a little easy it's not that it's easier but it's like they focus so much on oh you're gonna have hormones you're gonna have some morning sickness it's like that's the worst of it and in real life that's not always true Mm -hmm. so let's start at the very beginning talking about pregnancy if we're gonna get into our tropes yes (laughs) pregnancy and kids and romance is basically in every type of romance subgenre let's get that out of the way because we had that whole conversation in contemporary you can really find kids in absolutely every single version of romance under the umbrella in the world even in genres like historical where it might be rarer to have sex out of wedlock but you know it still happens half the time that's why they get married that's why they get forced into marriage so it still happens but you might also see plots like the main character having to take care of like orphans or struggling with children after losing a spouse and you know on and on and on somehow kids will work their way into every single genre so Mm -hmm. like this is not only contemporary even though like we did talk about a contemporary of it happening often but they're very broad plot devices that can be basically used anywhere so pregnancy books that feature a heroine's pregnancy are a classic it's like every single harlequin i ever read millionaire cowboys secret baby secret baby stories accidental pregnancy purposeful pregnancy if this is a dark story and the hero is trying to keep the heroine which has happened lots of times the couple is on the verge of breaking up but suddenly there's a pregnancy Mm. the heroine is trying to break up with the hero but oh no he's gonna be there for his baby it was only supposed to be a one night stand but oh no there's a baby tying these together (laughs) exactly I have to admit, I tend to prefer these kinds of pregnancy plots more than the single parent ones. I think it's one of those things where, yeah, pregnancy freaks me out a little bit. But, like, it's cute in romance for the most part. Plus, you know, in romance, it's a romance book. You know that the two people featured are going to be the two people who end up together at the end of the book. So even if there's, like, some drama, even if they aren't entirely sure if they're going to make it work by the end of the Mm -hmm. book... There's HEA guarantee like, or HEA for now. A, wrist, a realistic depiction of pregnancy is not really the point of a lot of plots. Right. At least especially in the past. It is different today. But when I read like the Harlequins of, yeah, his secret bride's she pregnant hair. With yeah, this was not the problem. And like if there was ever a problem with the pregnancy, it would be at the very end as the climax where she's suddenly bleeding and they have to rush yeah. to the hospital. And that's what like seals the deal. And he's like, oh, I can't lose her. Yeah. Right. It, it's always Again, it's like a plot device. It's yeah. not like somebody really exploring like the highs and lows of pregnancy. It's yeah. just like kind of pushes the couple further along. Let's be real. Trauma bonding is mm-hmm. not a it's good a excuse thing. in real life people red flag (laughs) red flag card (laughs) i think one of the big things too i like about pregnancy plots going back to my um 
you know, my amazing personality. I really like groveling. <laughs> and like the hero is forced to do so much groveling and a lot of pregnancy plots because there's usually some wrong he's done to the heroine that she's not like, okay, I'm pregnant. We're going to work together. We're going to be super cool and chill. And yeah, maybe we'll get married. Maybe we won't. Here's like yeah. a happy. Instead, it's usually like, I never want to see you again. Yeah. Which isn't realistic anyway. No. <laughs> lots of groveling and there's lots of chasing and courtship that happens even in things where it's like oh hey this was a one night stand but I don't want anything to do with you because I want you to prove that you want me and not the baby like I like the seduction aspect of that you know for the heroine to to make the the hero prove no I'm really in it for both of you not just the baby I kind of like that whole progression if I'm being honest Lorelai James who is like one of my favorite kind of erotic western authors she had this one this very long-standing book series and I can't remember the title of the book I'll put it in the show notes for all of you Mm -hmm. but basically there there were twin brothers and the one twin brother was dating this girl Skylar and except he had to go like he ended up he's a bad guy he hooked up with another girl at the same time he was supposed to be dating mm-hmm. Skylar Sky Skylar and so his twin brother stood in for him and they ended up having a one night stand like he fell mm-hmm. in love but then he had to go out and sit on the cattle range for a couple mm-hmm. months and she got pregnant yeah. had the baby he comes back and she's like she had a baby <laughs> and so he walks in and she's like I hate you and he's like I'm so sorry I was out taking care of the cows and, and he left the cow at home he really did he left that no. barn door wide open folks that was a bad joke <laughs> it's a bad episode this is gonna be so many bad jokes uh, um but yeah and there was a lot of groveling a lot of let me prove yeah. I love this child and want to be part of this mm-hmm. family and I think too it's kind of like Maybe we should have a therapist listen to this episode. It could be very telling. You hear so many horror stories, though, of men running away. Mm. I do think, too, there is something comforting of, like, no, I'm going to run towards you. If I can be totally sexist and, like, I don't want to be, like, men are trash. But, like, if you look at the the statistics of how, of single motherhood, like, there are more single mothers than single fathers. There's, like, 7% single fathers. When I looked at a Pew Research study, it's yeah. more, it's very much more single mothers. Yeah. Um, I do think there is something that people really like in a hero that, that steps up and like does what he's supposed to do. I don't know how to talk about that though in a way that doesn't make me sound gross. Yeah. No, I think you did a good job with and all I that. And I think yeah. that's part of the problem with talking about kids in romance. I've been thinking about this for like two months. It does feel like there's so many kind of like these gross things in your mind you don't want to admit to and like just these assumptions about people and the kinds of things that you you want to be true but aren't or like you can't prove I think that our lived life experiences have to speak for our own truths and what we understand about people and somebody else's experience could be completely different you and I feel this way about kids because of our lived life experience and what we've gone through and what we've had happen to us and all and who we've dealt with in the past somebody else down the road could have a completely different view of this but I do wonder if that's a reason why romance is kind of very delicate when it comes to talking about this because it's I wonder too if that's why it was the same way for so long Mm -hmm. it was because it was a it was marketable and it was sellable and we'll talk about it like you said at the very end of why this was so popular but Mm -hmm. it was what was done right and it was it was expected it was expected and so Mm -hmm. a reader would know going into a romance I know that there is going to be a pregnancy and I know at some point there's going to be a child whether it be in this book book two book five whatever Mm -hmm. um and I think that our generation and the younger like Gen Z readers have really started pushing back against that. And yeah. I do really want to talk about that at the end of this episode. Because yeah. so again, I've only seen two. it like recently. Yeah. Because I, again, me and Jackie started at a very young age. We, we should not have. And like we've read between us probably 3,000 romance novels, yeah. I want to say, looking at our Goodreads. Definitely. 
and just growing up it yeah it was just the well, like thing. the very first romance book i ever read yeah. was sandra brown i'll talk about this book for mm-hmm. forever sunset embrace the book literally opens with the heroine trigger alert giving birth to a stillborn child in the middle mm. of the woods and then she ends up fostering a baby on the oregon trail chisholm trail whatever whose mother died that same night i think some of it too thinking about my first romance book a fantasy lover where jason and grace mm. both, they end with twins that is yeah. the epilogue and you know what part of that is it's a sign that the characters are okay yeah i yeah. think that i'm I'm sorry to put this in the middle of my script <laughs> when we were going to talk about the end we can but still talk about like, it with Jason's whole backstory of being a sex slave and like a servant and never being free and how we, like having to live in a book, like the the fact that he got to have children with his wife was a sign that he was safe and like yeah. like he could have a future. He could build a life for himself. He wasn't gonna leave Grace and like go live in a book and service another woman. That's a good way of putting it that mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about. It's it's a signal that yeah. everything's okay. Right. Because that reminds me of, like, The Hunger Games. Yeah. Not to, like, bring it back to The Hunger Games, which is a thousand <laughs> times different from romance. If not. But, like, I know that was something that really upset people about Katniss in the final book. Because she, she had, had gone yeah. from, like, not wanting children. But she didn't want children because she didn't want them to die by yeah. children in the arena. <laughs> what did we say, t- like, yeah. 20 minutes ago? <laughs> so, like, the sign that, okay, she did have two kids with PETA. Like, the games are gone. Yeah. There's still other problems in the world, but she's not going to send her daughter off to fight to the death. Yeah, she's not going to get chosen to fight Yeah, so I do, like, thinking about this now, and again, I'm glad we're having this conversation, because for the two months I've been thinking about that, that did not occur to me. <laughs> As like, oh, that is also kind of a nod to they're fine because like children make you very vulnerable yes and it's very scary like i've read that term about how having a kid is like having your heart walk outside of your body oh that's a good quote yeah yeah and just to to have that as the epilogue it's like we're settled we're here we're gonna take this risk together yeah because it's safe too so i just finished my reread of a court of thorns and roses series by sarah j moss and there's a lot of ish going on around her and her books right now. So I'm not going to go too deeply into it. You guys know how I feel about that series and your opinions are your own. What I do really like to go off of that is that spoiler alert (laughs) at the end of the first part of the book series, a court of thorns and roses book four, we find out that Favor is pregnant. And then in a court of silver flames, she's pregnant for the whole book. And then she has a very traumatic birth. Mm. But I think at the end of a court of thorns and roses, it is very much a signal that everything is okay and it's taken to the next level too because not only is it signaling that the couple is okay and happy with where they are but that their kingdom is Mm, okay yeah so like a larger geopolitical sphere to the pregnancy even if we look at like royal births Mm -hmm. that's a really good point yeah well getting back to the okay (laughs) i wanted to make a point that the pregnancy basically is a vehicle to drive the cap the couple back together and to drive the plot further oh right you know they're not okay okay they're not like these realistic (laughs) depictions but i do think that is changing because you can find better books today with better depictions of things like infertility or miscarriages or difficult pregnancies but it's not how i read that growing up like it's I would say 10 years I don't know if you'd agree with that or if it's I like would 15. say more recent I'd say like five five to ten I've been seeing more of that Maya Rodal who is also a romance critic along with a romance author she wrote uh, dangerous books for girls Ugh, yeah. she had a really lovely blog post about how romance novels helped her through her fertility treatments as a distraction mm. but then you know the constant baby appearance at the end brought her back down to earth and like kind, kind of popped the bubble yeah. yeah so I do think there is more openness about and honesty about difficulties like this, like for Maya to talk openly about that, I think there is more desire 
to kind of face these things and to not just be like, you know, that's not talked about. That's yeah. like a woman problem. That's like for your, you to discuss with your mother, mm. you know, like, like thinking about like how Chrissy Teigen was so open with her miscarriage. Yeah. Like, I don't think you could have done that a couple of years ago no. or like remembering too the, the response to Brooke Shields book about like postpartum, like there is so much like cultural fraughtness. Yeah. About pregnancy and like, children afterwards yeah because like for for like tom cruise to go out and be like you know you're you don't need these pills you're fine and here she's Could you like, hear my eyeballs rolling <laughs> you know <laughs> like there's just a lot of cultural weight to all of this stuff mm, cultural weight yeah that's yeah. a good way of putting it and now i think there is a more heightened desire to either spare people who struggle to get pregnant or respect readers who don't want to have kids at all i just think like that's more out there in the culture than it was before mm-hmm. so yes i am seeing books more often that that they decide not to they're dealing with a pregnancy but you know thinking about it i feel like the first miscarriage i ever read about was probably cresley cole's uh mccarrick's brother series and she had like gone through a war and a plague and was starving and that's why oh, she miscarried like yeah. it was a very very dramatic mm-hmm. like it wasn't just like she's walking and it happens which happens to a lot of women it's mm-hmm. very common to have a miscarriage in the first couple of weeks but this was specifically like no she's starving and like yeah. trying to survive a war zone and or sorry and a her plague. body is just yeah it's just emancipated like emancipated <laughs> emaciated <laughs> emaciated and you know like her husband has to go and drag her out like i thought and that was in i think i was in high school college when i read that book and that was like the first time i'd come across it yeah and this could just be the books we pick but like also thinking about the the publishing industry at the time yeah you know it's tough I was just going back through as we went like 10, 5, 15 years. When would, did we really start to see the shift? And I was like, well, 10 years ago was math, 2012. Mm-hmm. When did Fifty Shades come out again? 2008? Yeah. Yeah. And that still ended in pregnancy. Yeah. And it was, again, that was another book where Christian Gray did not want children. Anna accidentally gets pregnant. He goes on his dumb little hissy fit and, you know, she freaks out. Is this again with the rise of indie romance? Is this where we I start seeing the shift? I wonder if that helps. That's a good point. Because I'm trying to think back to more mainstream or like what it would have been considered mainstream. And like, I'm sure, again, I'm sure this existed, but it did not exist in like traditional publishing. You know, it would have been like the exception, part. not the rule. It would have been like an author. With and a there would have been like some it. horrendous reason why. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I really think that. Indie. Yeah. Because indie romance, obviously, mm-hmm. with more authors in the pot having say over their plots and their books and their characters and not having to kind of kowtow to anybody telling them what to do or their editors. Christine Fian had it a lot in her books. But again, it was a massive problem because, like, the Carpathians were dying out because right. of, like, poison soil and other issues. And, like, it never affected a main couple, I think. Maybe, like, a couple, but it was off screen. Did Sookie Stackhouse ever have a kid? No. no. Well, uh, I mean, depending on the series or the TV show. The TV yeah. show, yeah, they, they hooked her up with, like, a normal human. It was, like, a very stupid ending, to be honest. I never finished and it. And then so. <laughs> in the series, she actually does end up with Sam. And I can't remember if they have a kid. But, I don't like, know. She, that's something we'll Google after the fact. <laughs> but, like, she obviously can't have one with the vampires. Yeah. And... In Twilight, in obviously, Twilight, obviously like, they make her, and it's like well, this, yeah, it's a whole thing. This plot device, but she's Mormon, but, so you have to yeah, have babies. And, mm-hmm. and Sorry, that was mo- sarcastic, but you know. Hmm. Yeah, maybe that did have something to do with it. It was hard to find articles about this in general, too. So, I, yeah. like, a lot of this is just kind of me like thinking back talking it out. and talking it out, and like yeah. the indie point could be a, a bigger thing. Yeah. Because I mean, the indie changed a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I think also. 
I don't know, single parents. They were no, they were big. Single parents have been big. Yeah. I think it's more acceptable for like a single parent type of plot. Pregnancy is a little more fraught. Yeah. Yeah. And like loss of mm-hmm. child. Because like that. with the single parent, there's okay, so there are two versions of a single parent. Let's get into classic single parent romances because i do like my single parent romance just as much as mm-hmm. my pregnancy mm-hmm. i am gonna stick to single mothers today just because hey yeah. it's another mother's day and i feel like there is a definite difference in what people want from a single dad versus a single mom mm-hmm. if you agree with me yes i wouldn't argue that they're actually interchangeable you know that's kind of sexist that we want that yeah i mean it's gross again this is why this episode is so hard i just realized because there is like just so much internal stuff you don't want to admit to because, like, for single dad, something I think that a lot of people like is the fact that we like to see him, like, almost kind of... Str- okay, so we either like to see him struggling. Yeah. Where, like, he's he just a hot help. mess and his child, usually a daughter, yeah. is the one helping him, like, right. cook breakfast and do all the things. Or where he's, like, bing, bing, boom, on top of everything. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, caregiver. Super dad. Versus with a mom, if she's struggling, we're like, oh, no. She better she get that somebody billionaire to, to sweep her, her off her feet. But if she's doing good, she's like, okay. It's normal. That's fine. You're supposed to. Yeah. That's expected. <sighs> yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I'm glad you agree with me. I'm so maybe a stanky face at the microphone. Maybe we'll talk about single dads one day, but okay. I'm glad you agree there is a difference. Yes, and yes. like, yeah, I was thinking back to plots I read, and no, it has to be a single mother in most mm. of the plots that I've read to work. Yeah. You can't switch it with a single dad. Yeah. Or even like a single partner or like a single parent, you know? It's like, it's still very gendered. Y- yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. That is why this episode has been so hard. <laughs> You're doing like, a great job. I sweetie. feel like a gross person this whole time. Like, there's just so much internal we have stuff to say you don't those admit quiet to. Parts out loud. Uh, sometimes, sometimes. But it's like you gotta be careful. To work as long as your boss doesn't yell at you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mandy. So I I like both versions of a single mom romance. There's really only two. One where the kid's dad comes back into yeah. their lives, cool. Or a new person steps up to be the father and husband that they need. Yeah. Also cool, right? It's both all good. It's either a great second chance story with redemption or a new understanding Love of each other chance. or you know a lot of groveling which is very important in romance sorry to nicholas sparks it's just you know whatever or it's a tale of new love and connections and trust between one parent and their children right and also with the second option you have to get the this the the, 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 the what am i saying you have to get the child to bond with the exactly. other parent and there's like some really cute written moments with that mm-hmm. i love and those. it's hard too because you know i re- i I have a lot of horror stories from other people I know who were like step parents and step children mm. and thinking about like my own family. Like it's a hard thing to manage. We've all seen the parent trap. <laughs> That's like it well though. That's yeah. doing it well. Though I'm thinking of parents that like ne- that either move too fast and force their kids to, oh. to bond and it's not yeah. working or like the guy who tries to be Mr. Dad after the husband had just died like two years ago and it just does not work. Like it's a very delicate balancing act that people I think kind of crash through sometimes Mm -hmm. they just like fall right off so I think in romance like you want to see it succeed yeah I know with one thing for myself I really love the found family trope and I kind of see this as an extension of that of like what kinds of new love you can establish Mm -hmm. and you kind of like want to see them struggle and come through like i have definitely seen those stories where like all right the kid is fine with it he accepts them right away but i've also seen like in a lot of Kristen ashley there's like children that really struggle with it and there's a whole thing of that like i still remember she wrote this one plot where uh the girls were really mad that the dad was starting to date so they actually let like the cat loose outside of the house and it was like a whole dramatic thing of like how the dad was gonna you know deal with this misbehavior 
and like this disrespect uh. and like you know him, her actually putting like a physical creature in, in harm mm-hmm. it was one of the motorcycle books oh, you know okay. so especially so you've got like a tough guy dad too at yeah. the same time dealing with this and i think with the it is kind of fun to see like people repair their past mistakes and have like the husband come back if, if it's a divorced couple or he didn't know there were children or just like they needed a second i really like that too yeah. Again, I think a lot of these just end up about being hope, which is so cliche because that is most of romance. Yeah. It's about hope. But like these are more serious because you have so much at stake here. It's like you really want to see stuff go well and work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have nothing else to say. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the single parents are really hard. Like similar with pregnancy plots, kids can drive a lot of the motivation and the plot development. It's very easy to build stories around their needs and desires that the parent has to protect or provide for. So I understand a hundred percent why so much of it is built around the kids as opposed to like these wider problems. Single parents are tough. And you know, it's so hard to be a single parent. Like you really want to see the single parents like get help Mm -hmm. and like succeed and like find love again and get like somebody else to do the dishes with you. Like, it's just, it's nice. Mm-hmm. I just like that it's nice. It, I think it does go back to that found family that yeah. you were saying. I think found ham- family remains one of the most pervasive and, like, most popular yeah. tropes of all of romance. Mm-hmm. Because I think that romance especially is written for people who have a lot of trauma in our backgrounds <laughs> around certain different things. Yeah. And to read these stories about people finding friendships and finding family and finding love and like creating their mm-hmm. own little tight unit yeah. is really, again, it, it's, it's hopeful. Yeah. It's a good and way it, of putting that it. That feels like such a cliche answer. Cause yes, yeah, so much of romance is hopeful, but like this especially feels like God, please give me like some hope, some, like some advice, some guidance, like, yeah i don't want to say it feels desperate but it feels like especially important yeah that's a good way of putting mm-hmm. it maybe that's but it's like heavier yeah you know it's like okay we're already at half an hour so we can talk about this forever <laughs> and go in circles there's so rambling. much to talk about but i think i i want to narrow in on what i really wanted to talk about this episode which is kind of like all right children in the ending mm-hmm let's talk about it why do we have to insist on children in the epilogue or just like as a happy ending thing in general so i've got a couple of questions and thoughts i want your opinion about we'll talk it out kids have become like an expected part of the couple's happy ending as we've said basically since books have been invented but there has been more pushback to that idea in the last decade so what do you think has changed we do not bow down to the patriarchy (laughs) as much as we used to no in all seriousness i think that when romance first became a really strong genre in Mm -hmm. as we've seen through like the 60s 70s the 80s women were really in the West, we were really just starting to really push through that glass ceiling. We were really starting to push back against like the classic forties, mm-hmm. fifties housewife yeah. aesthetic, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really showed up in romance, and especially because so much of it was still traditional publishing, and the traditional publishing houses were still run by men mm-hmm. for the most part. And I think that especially at the jobs of like editors and those big higher ups in publishing were still men so it wasn't so much that they were pushing their values per se but it was kind of like we're gonna market this and we're gonna sell this Mm -hmm. and this is what's sellable at this time but I think that like we've talked about in recent years with the rise of indie publishing and with the rise of younger generations really pushing back and really taking a stand we had um that the wave of feminism in the 70s and we start to see single parents appearing in plots we start to see women who can have jobs and Mm -hmm. children at the same time (gasps) my god 
And now we're starting to see the pushback on the other end of the spectrum of, hey, you don't have to have kids to have romance. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to have a happily ever after that always includes kids because that's not everybody's happily ever after. Mm -hmm. Or it could be a different version of what that could look like. You know, it could be different partnerships. It could be stepchildren, adopted children, uh, no children, like any and all of the Mm -hmm. above. And I think that romance as it as we're fond of saying, is the most representative genre yeah. in the industry because it's one of the largest genres. So by default, it's one it's of the one, most yeah. representative. <laughs> um, I think that there's a whole spectrum that it can represent. I think there's a big community within romance, too, that's really pushing for things like inclusivity and for yes. different voices and different opinions. And I, I want to mention, too, yes, people love children and they want children. Yeah, there's that still like always going a to be major kids thing of that. Romance. I do think though there is a louder minority minority of people that are more vocal about like, you know, this is not my experience. This is not what I want. And I want to see these things reflected in the romance I read. I did like want to throw that out there. Like I good job for you parents. I love parents. You better you than me. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that people like want to have children. I think too, I see a lot of this from uh, younger contemporaries mm-hmm. who came out of the YA dystopia trend really easily. Interestingly, that's kind of an interesting correlation mm-hmm. that we can talk about. But like, like we were talking about with the Hunger Games, where throughout this whole book series, she didn't want to have children because she did not want to raise her kids in a bad world. She didn't right. want her children to be chosen for death, essentially. And so we grow up reading these plot lines, and now we're coming into a world that's filled with social injustices and you know rioting and mass shootings Mm -hmm. and war and plague and all this stuff and we're like yeah no i empathize with katniss right now yeah and they are saying so when i looked at pew research for some numbers the growing share of childless adults is now 44 percent so that is like the number of people that are like from 18 to 49 who are like, yeah, no, I'm not going to have children. That's so like, fine. So it's like we almost need a, half. We need a population yeah. decrease. Okay. But I'm just like, just in general too, of like, that is a very big yeah, number. That is it is a big like number. way up in decades. And I think those voices but have been really loud. But that's still 56% yeah. of people who are having kids. Right. And no, no, I'm totally fine. Not like, oh, yeah. how dare they? No, no, I know. <laughs> I'm just, because I recently, <laughs> there's been a lot in the news recently about like super birthers or whatever they're called. They're white elite people who think the, who oh that weird scared. youth angelics couple yeah with the glasses? yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're they're worried about population decline and they're worried about basically intelligence decline mm-hmm. because the people who are choosing largely not to have children are middle class upper middle class yeah. people who have the ability and the the, the money basically mm-hmm. to say no i don't want these or to recognize that we don't have the money and we're like no right. i can't afford these um and so they're like oh we need to we need to push to have children that mm-hmm. will reflect our white evangelical upper echelon values god those people are nerds oh my god they're such nerds <laughs> okay but then Go also like, like find a real hobby Musk has 10 children yeah. which is scary but I don't know where I'm going with that. Yeah, I'm not sure where you're going. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid the topic of eugenics with all of my heart. Yeah. So. There's some weird people out there having kids. Yeah. I don't need to be one of them. No. No, listen. I have enough mental issues. Yeah. I do not need to. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Anyways. But yeah, I think that 
there's always going to be dog whistles about, oh, there's declining birth rate and Mm -hmm. we need to talk about this and we need to, you know, make sure people know that it's, they can have children. We're like, no, we know we can Mm -hmm. have children. We just, we don't want to. And we don't want to read about that necessarily if we don't want to. Can I tell you something that bothers me about like the insistence of children in epilogues and things like that? I have read books before where the care it doesn't fit the characterization for them to have children and i think that is really the only time where i I really want to push back against books like this like i read about this one book where like they were both very career focused they were both very like no i want money i want a career like i love you too but like i'm good and then of course she suddenly gets pregnant and it's like her and i understand when you get pregnant your entire worldview shifts and like it should your life is about to change but it just felt like a lazy way to drive the drama Mm. you know it felt like so out of character they're this is very very fraught too but like they never brought up abortion or adoption Mm -hmm. it was just accepted that okay my everything i dreamed work for did like this is my only option yeah this is it like i do feel like a lot of times in romance i don't know if we are scared to offer those other options to even like i don't even like saying the word i'm a little bit like am i allowed to do that on this work podcast to be like abortion yeah (laughs) i'm a little bit like I don't want Mandy to yell at me because it is so like very scary to touch. It's like you don't like we talk about it enough in real life and romance. It's like I don't want to talk about it. Like it's like I very, very have rarely ever read. I'm really trying to think. I don't know how many romance books I've read that ended in abortion. And like I think I've read a handful that ended in adoption. And like the first one I ever read was a Linda Howard where she ends up allowing her kid to be adopted out because he had been kidnapped as a baby and he had been raised with this family for like eight years so she realized it's going to be more traumatic to pull him away so she let the family have him that i think is like the first and only time i've seen adoption kind of like played out or maybe it's like a regency where the kid is taken away from her yeah i feel like i just read one that had abortion in it it's just very interesting to me that like we argue a lot that uh, like a romance can be very progressive and transformative, but then we don't allow a lot of options other than like pregnancy or nothing. Yeah. And I do think it is cause it's so scary to talk about and I'm like sweating right now being like, God, don't get me. Like I don't want to say anything bad. I'm going to have to do more research. Cause I swear I just read one mm-hmm. where it might've been an alien one too, <laughs> <laughs> but it was basically like, Oh, wasn't that Ruby Dixon where they, like, forcibly impregnated her, right? No. Okay. No. That's another thing. That's a whole other Yeah, that's can a whole other can opening. of worms. We're not touching that with a 10-foot no. pole. Um, but no, I don't know. We'll, we'll pass it by. But I think, yeah, that's a very good point that you just raised. I feel like one thing, like, it seems to me it's just been so expected in general by society. It seems like such a building block and foundation of what you're supposed to build as an adult, as a mm. person, as a citizen. It feels so yeah. unchallengeable that, like, it just naturally extended into every aspect of our lives, not just romance, but, like, of course things leak into romance. Like, romance is very reflective of society and how it was when it was written. So I feel like that also helped in not having it get challenged or pushed back for so many years. Because mm-hmm. I have read, like, child-free things for years and, like, defense of people who are struggling with these things. But it, I think it takes a minute for it to actually get into the literature. Yeah. And to get into like that pop culture kind of thing and to to get out into um So maybe the people now need to write the, about it. Well we've talked about it before. It takes three to four years for, for publishing publish, cycles yeah, so to kinda like show up. So maybe now is when we're really starting to see the pushback mm-hmm. against the 
the Twilight baby <laughs> or the, the it takes Fifty Shades of Grey. I think, too, you kind of have to calm down from the hype of it all. Yes. So, like, Fifty Shades was so popular and Twilight was so big that you kind of had to let the excitement kind of cool down before you could kind of look at it more critically. Yeah. Or even before, if you, like, had immediately published things in the wake of being like, no, they should not have had children or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't want this. It could take time for hype around that, around your mm-hmm. book that is anti, not anti-pregnancy, but you know what I mean. I think sometimes too, it's like lazy therapy. Cause like Christian's problems all got solved when he had children. Yeah. Once he like accepted, okay, I'm having a son. I feel better. Where in reality, there's going to be a whole no. new slew of, th- slew of therapy for yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I mean. Sometimes it is just used as like a lazy plot device as yeah. opposed to like a very conscious choice of where you want this character story to go yeah and i think that's sometimes a mark of you just like pumping something out to get published and sell yeah you know you don't know what else to do with your character so you're gonna throw an accidental pregnancy at them yeah or like you don't know how to get these two back together so up you got pregnant so now the hero has to be like i need my baby (laughs) yeah i think that if it's very clearly part of the plot and it's Mm -hmm. well thought out you know we've talked about this with sex and romance novels before it's like if it's not part of the plot if it's not moving the plot along then it really serves no point Mm -hmm. besides it just being there right so what is the point of them having this child together is is it going to drive the plot or Mm -hmm. is it just there as a plot device right or not a plot device you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah just as a Mm one-off Because children should not be treated like one-offs. No, and I feel like that's something else I struggle with. Is like people get so excited to have a baby, but it's like eventually that baby is going to grow to be a toddler and They're then a child, be a thirteen-year-old, and an adult, and eventually an, like a They're citizen. Be learning to drive. You know, it's not just like this cute period of like oh they're in the the fuzzy pajamas and they're gurgling and they've got the chubby cheeks and they look like Winston Churchill. Like <laughs> they grow up. Not and all babies look like Winston Churchill. Some of them, some look, of them like look potatoes. Like in, some of them look like insects. Winston Churchill. But they insects. look like insects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways. And like that stuff you can avoid in romance because it's like th- with a strike of the pen, the author's just like, we're good. Yeah. We're happy. Nothing bad is ever going to happen to these people they again. They lived happily ever after. And I get it. I need that sometimes. It's been a bad day. And I'm like, yes, I just want this couple to be fine forever. And, like, I'd probably think more seriously about kids if I could have, like, 100% reassurance that everything is always going to be okay. But that just does not exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who tells me that is lying. Plus, I think as an extra facet to consider, there's been a lot of push, especially in romance, talking about, like, mental health. Yeah. And there's a lot that isn't talked about that hasn't been talked about historically with women's mental health when it comes to pregnancy, both yeah. before, during and after. Mm-hmm. And I think that especially like I'm thinking about friends who have gone through pregnancy and birth, family members who've gone through pregnancy birth, and them talking about their experiences with postpartum or anything like mm-hmm. that. And that to be reflected in romance books, I don't think it's done often enough. Mm. And that kind of takes away an aspect of realness. So I think what we're coming to is that as broad as romance has become, as inclusive, as as many options in all kinds of categories and ways of living that romance has started to offer, I want to see that extended to children and pregnancy as well. And I, I think we're starting to head there. And it's very interesting to me that that feels like one of the last kind of frontiers. Yeah. And I think... You know what I re- would really like to see is more queer books that feature children right. and pregnancies. Because I... Maybe what two mm-hmm. name off the top of my head. I do think with that, you kind of have to, again, you kind of have to wait for things to cycle out. Because when I was starting as a teen librarian, the only th- 
things available in queer literature were coming out stories this and like true, you yeah. had to like let it like not let it through cycle out but like people had to just like get it out how am i putting this that i don't sound like a jerk it's you had to like, let the publishing cycle catch up yes, with what everyone was thank doing. You. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Gotcha. So I think we're kind of seeing that now with pregnancy where authors are realizing there's all different ways to be pregnant, to have children. It is not necessarily anybody's happy ending. It doesn't have to be this perfect thing all the time. It can be just as broad as anything else in romance. Yes. I like that. Yeah. That's good. I think that's a good place Solution. to end. So I hope this was like a, a helpful discussion to you guys. If you don't like anything I said, let Jackie know because I will cry about it. And then I'll go yell and scream and my coworkers will hear it. And then I'll text Jen a really nice thing. But like, I am I am very curious to know what you guys think. This is a very difficult, sensitive topic. I hope we handled it with some And it gravitas. is so, it can be so black and white in romance yeah. too. I know so many people who are like absolutely no romance in romance books that I read. And I really do like that content warnings have started to include yeah. pregnancy child child loss etc mm -hmm. in their listings and i think that that needs to be done to be more inclusive mm -hmm. um so what do you guys think about in pregnancy and books in general do yeah. you think are you yay nay gray mm -hmm. area like myself what it do you depends. think depends and i think that's the answer for basically everything Ça dépend. which is yeah there we go, <laughs> there we go. here's <laughs> the title of the episode i don't know what else to say i think that is it for me if okay. there's anything else you want me to explore on this topic or anything else let us know at ragingromantics at nopal.org but until you let me know jackie what are we doing next month you want to know i do want to know that's what i'm asking you really want to know yeah i definitely want to know now because that look is making me scared <laughs> i think we need something nice after this topic please <laughs> do not get me in trouble so oh no you won't get in trouble don't okay. worry so the day the next episode comes out i'm going to be hiking in the blue ridge mountains mm -hmm. Which is known for a certain couple of creatures. I swear! No! <laughs> we're no! doing we're doing cryptids. No! <laughs> so we're gonna do. No, Yes. As long as we acknowledge. No, we're going to be talking about cryptids and folklore because we've talked. She, she literally threw her headphones. So I'm keeping that in. I so just you guys swear can to God, hear the this dramatic. is going to be an episode of how real Bigfoot is. Uh, I am no, leaving. I am not. walking out of this building. Because we've talked about monsters and we tend to generally talk about like European type monsters. Yeah. And we talked about like the history of myth and everything. Mm -hmm. I want to focus on North American cryptids that have crept their way slinkily into romance books. Oh my god! So like Lake Monster, Mothman. Actually, that does sound fun. I yeah, just do not. Rougarou. And yes, there is going to be a section on Bigfoot, but it is oh going god. to be small because there are not as many books that Good. are romance Bigfoots. <laughs> Maybe you better not replace that with like, oh, Bigfoot is so totally real. Here's all the proof that does not exist. No, we're going to talk about myth and folklore okay. and how folklore can often represent itself in a certain way. Okay, we'll see gonna be fun mm. i get to watch a lot of i watched a lot of like creepy youtube videos today when i was wearing oh, of all those people great. wearing suits and like fake fur no it was about rougarou today oh okay good. so it was I'm a lot of like, like swamp men being like foot people I have can't admitted even do a they cajun work. accent but it was really fun cajun accents all day so, okay yeah that's oh, what God. we're doing next time oh i'll take an advil that was the best reaction ever and i knew it was gonna happen <laughs> Well, I think that was a good reward for sitting through that kid discussion for the listeners, not for me. I don't know why you're torturing me more. Well, thank you guys as always. And oh, we have to say what we've been reading. Oh, I forgot about that. God, yeah. what did I read? I don't know. <laughs> what am I reading? Oh, I actually was good. I was actually reading. I got like half out of my reading slum. Um, so I just started a book called Fourth Wing 
by Rebecca Yaros. And this book, I'm going to start off by saying I hate love triangles and I hate books set at magical schools. These, this book has both of those things and I freaking love it with all my heart. It is about a girl whose mother is like the top general dragon rider and she is trying to go to school. She's got disconnective tissue disorder. Mm-hmm. So there's like some good disability rep in there. And she ends up becoming a dragon rider and pushing through. And I just got to the part where she just got chosen by her dragon. And it is so good. It is like crack. This book is crack. So fourth wing, Rebecca Yaros. And I did have another one that I really wanted to quickly mention. The Final Girl Support Group by Grady Hendrix. None, not, oh. yeah. Um, it is for anybody who loves '80s slasher movies. This book, Grady Hendrix, gets some flack as a man who writes women characters, but I think he did an excellent job with this book, and it was fun, and it was really gory, and it was just like everything my slasher movie loving heart wanted. Mm-hmm. So I just read Flamer by Mike Curdo because oh, I saw. So, so the band book list just came out. If you guys are interested for 2023, first of all, it's a little different because this is the first year they've released 13 instead of top 10 because mm. there are several ties, which is not a great no. sign for things. And I noticed Flamer was one of the the newer ones on the list. It made number four, and I'd been seeing it more often in news, so I was really curious and I wanted to see like what the problem was with it. Oh, there's basically like no problem. It's fine. It's not pornographic. I will say. <laughs> no. that as my professional opinion um i mean if you want to argue about the definition of pornographic like it's not titillating it's not it's, there's no it's nudity like, listen they are a group of boy scouts that are about to be freshmen in high school they have gone through puberty i can't help it the guys are gross like let me bring out my intersex like if you guys remember what it was like to be middle schoolers like yeah if you are not ace you are probably thinking about sex a lot yeah i can't help it like it just is what it is there wasn't a lot even of any hormones nudity in going it. on but it's a really it was a really important book. It was a really cool book. The art in it is gorgeous. It's basically about a boy named Aiden who is away at Boy Scout camp. He's, you know, really nervous about getting out of Catholic school into the public school. He's dealing with like all these thoughts and feelings. And it's actually kind of a journey into him sort of realizing, oh, I'm I'm gay. And it's really, oh, I don't want to give too much of it away, but it does not deserve its place on the band book list. I would definitely check it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, in general, just read banned books because there's a lot on there this year, which is, you know, too I love bad. how you were like, yes, social justice books. And this book is on the banned book list. So I'm mm-hmm. going to read it. And I'm like, murder and dragons. <laughs> that stuff is very important, too. <laughs> but at least for me, like I was thinking about having this on the truck. I don't know if I will. or not. I've got to decide if I want the fight. But it is one of the newer books on the list. Like gender yeah. queer is still number one. Boys aren't blue. Bluest eye. Uh, I don't remember Flamer last year. I don't think it was. It no, might have been it a just few like, years ago, but. I don't even think it was a full year a few years ago. It's just it's this is probably one of the newer ones on the list of 13, which again is really depressing. Unlucky 13. Yeah. <sighs> oh god, I didn't even think of that. I was just thinking like god, how many ties do you need? I think it was challenged. Does it say how many times it was challenged? Like the total challenges were like I don't know 1700 last year, 1200. It was a lot. It was very much like, geez. Oh, and you know what's really nice about the ALA website is they actually tell you which libraries banned it or like tried to challenge oh, it, okay. which is very nice to do. Can I have another bonus mention? Yeah. Okay. Yellow Face by RF Kuang. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I got to read an advanced copy of this and y- you guys, it is worth every single accolade and every mm-hmm. single knife to the heart you are going to take reading this book. It is RF Kuang. 
is not afraid to say the quiet part out loud, and she does it while grabbing you by the balls and twisting them. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, so this book is about two authors. One is Asian, one is white. The Asian author dies at the very start of the book, and her white friend takes her unpublished, unknown manuscript and publishes it as her own mm-hmm. and becomes a best-selling author. Oh, nice. And it's just like... It was punch after punch after punch of, oh, my God, did Mm -hmm. she say that? And then you have to start thinking about, oh, my God, what would I do in that instance? And (sighs) I sat and stared out a window for 20 minutes after I finished this book. Okay. Like, yeah. So Mm -hmm. Yellow Face, RF Kwong. Excellent. There's my social justice book. (laughs) Well, it sounds like there are lots of books for you guys to check out. So many books. Yes. Please go read a band book. Band book week is coming in September. October September. September it is September yeah band book week is coming in September we are gonna <laughs> celebrate early yes all right well on that final note Jen what do we always say rage on bye guys happy reading and happy Mother's Day Woo! recording in progress let it all out <laughs> Improv class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I got rid of yeah. <laughs> No improv for Jen. <laughs> okay. No, this is going to be great. Okay. It's going to be so good. It's going to be good because we're going to have a good conversation. Great. That's how it's going to end up. Great. Okay. Put my thinking cap on. Not the scary AI, like the, the splooge AI. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wait, the, can you say splooge on here? Probably not. Okay. Yeah, you should redo that. Okay. <laughs>